From WKYT Podcast, this is Uniquely Kentucky. I'm your host, Amber Philpotts. Hello, podcast listeners. I hope this episode finds you doing well. I know we haven't put out any content in a while, and I am sorry for that. Sometimes we just get behind. I appreciate you dropping in for this listen, though. In this episode, I'm sitting down with Lexington author and life coach Vitaly Buford. In her new book, Addicted to Perfect, A Journey Out of the Grips of Adderall, she opens up in a very personal and brutally honest way about her own battle with the prescription drug and how perfection can make us all strive to do the things we never thought we could be capable of doing. In this time of COVID, many people have taken a step back and started the reevaluation process of their lives. Many of us have taken a deeper look and are working to make changes within ourselves. This book is one that can remind us that being perfect isn't always what makes us who we are. Uniquely Kentucky with Amber Philpott is brought to you by the WKYT News and Weather Apps. Available on the App Store and Google Play. Welcome, Vitaly Buford, to Uniquely Kentucky. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Vitaly, we're going to talk about a lot of different things in this particular episode. You have out um, a new book, Addicted to Perfect, A Journey Out of the Grips of Adderall. We're going to talk about this book. Um, Also, you're a life coach as well, so I'm going to pick your brain about how to get through uh, this pandemic that we're in the middle of for our mental health. But first of all, um, this book, uh, if people have not heard of Adderall addiction, Vitaly, I'm gonna start off with that because there are so many, particularly college kids, they get addicted to Adderall. I wanna know from you, how in the world did that become a part of your world? Yeah, so for me, um, you know, again, it's that underlying idea of perfectionism, but I always thought I needed to be thin and really high achieving to be worthy. And when I joined, when I started college, I gained the freshman 15 and did diet after diet after diet. And then my junior year of college, I was taking a full course load. And my boyfriend at the time, who was prescribed Adderall, said, why don't you try this? And so I did. And it literally was the perfect drug. I lost weight easily. I was able to study and stay up all hours and work two jobs. And so it was... Um, I mean, immediately I knew this was something I was going <laughs> to probably get hooked on. Absolutely. I should say too, we, we do uniquely Kentucky in a way where we highlight folks that are from here. I'm going to say that you're a transplant to Lexington uh, by way of what Alabama and then also through Georgia with school yeah. and then you call now um, Kentucky home. So we're, we're grateful for that. Um, if pe- when people read your book, Addicted to Perfect, it is, as I have said to you before, it is, it's, it's really hard to read in the sense that it's very personal. I mean, you lay it all out on the line. And at times when I was going through it, I, I was like cringing for you because it, it is a lot to put out there. First of all, why, why write the things that you wrote? Because it is really like ripping off the Band-Aid and really putting a lot of stuff out there that you didn't have to put out in the world. Right. Well, that's the book represents sort of how I roll in my life in general and how I how I approach coaching and healing and growth is just really being authentic and real. But also, um, I believe so many people um, have the thoughts that I have that are in the book. And sometimes it's good to just um, so for people just to not feel so alone. 
And it was just important for me to tell my story. We all have these things going on and dark, you know, secrets in our past or whatever that we may be holding on to. And so it was just really important for me to share my story. So to encourage other people to share their story, there's been so many women and men who have read my book and just said, you know, even though I wasn't an Adderall addict, this really resonated with me. I really struggled with my body image or perfectionism or whatever it is. Like there's some piece of the story that'll resonate. In talking about Adderall, um, you know, that is something right now that I, I worry that a lot of parents who send particularly college kids off to college, they don't realize. And in reading your book, and I know um, that this was several years ago, but I saw how you went about getting Adderall and it didn't seem very hard to get that prescription. So first of all, what do you want parents to know about this kind of drug, a prescription drug, I should say? Yeah, I think a, just having a conversation, um, with their, with their kids about it, that it can be dangerous, that it's highly addictive, that it's on campus, that it's the study drug people. It's easy to get. And then also, you know, I think it's the reason I took it is because I felt so pressured, right? So I think it's also just having a conversation with your kids about, you know, you can achieve the things you want to achieve without that. Like you're, you're whole and complete just as you are, because I would took it to fill a void. You um, put this book out into the world. Did you think, oh my God, once you hit send and said, here it goes, did you think, oh boy, I just did this? Or were you, was it cathartic for you in a way to kind of put this entire, or chapters of your life kind of behind you and, and finally put that foot forward and move forward? Um, it was super triggering to write it last year. I mean, I am glad that I did it. I will never read the book again. I have read it many times and <laughs> through many edits, I was like- You've also lived it, so you don't have to read it again. I'm like, I'm done. Uh, for me, submitting it that final time was really scary. And there were some stories uh, about my mother that I took out just because my gut instinct said that I should leave those out. And so I did, and I feel better about that. But yeah, most definitely. I mean, yes, was it healing? Yes, but no. I mean, I was completely scared, anxious. When you put your story out there like that, you just, you never know. People that really struggle with addiction, it really doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what socioeconomic level you're at. It doesn't matter if you're male, female, or your age. And so, you know, I think a lot of people would look at you, Vitaly, and they would say, there's no way she has an addiction story. But in a way, that is so wrong of all of us because we never know what people are dealing with, right? Right. Right. I think that's, you know, it's that really um, the ability to just, I guess what am I trying to see here? Sorry. But I, I think for me, just taking the judgment away from people, knowing that we're all humans, we've all experienced different things and that's the lens in which we view the world. Um, but yeah, I think as humans, we, it's easy for us to make judgments just based on how we've grown up and things that we've experienced. And, and yeah, I represent just a different, um, a different stereotype, different demographic. You know, in reading um, the book, I, I noticed that, you know, your, your mom, um, what you do put in there of your mom, you do talk about your mom drinking quite a bit. Um, did you feel, did you, were you aware that there was a cycle there that you potentially were going to fall into yourself with what you were seeing at home? You know, I really did. Um, it's why I, I stayed away from drugs in college. 
because I knew that addiction ran in my family and there was never a conversation about it with my parents. I just, I just knew, I don't even know how I just had this inner knowing. And so I stayed away from everything else, but then it was like, Oh, a prescription drug, this is safe. (laughs) And I think too, that's probably um, a lot of people's mindset too. There's something, uh, you know, when you think about a prescription versus you're, you're buying something else off the street, if you will, it puts a little bit of that, you know, um, we struggle with addiction and we struggle with such a drug issue continued every day. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic, but we have a drug epidemic going on every single day. Um, how do you kind of try, I mean, obviously you put the book out, but what do you do for others to try and say, Hey, I've been there your way of helping and giving back? Yeah, I think just by even telling my story, I mean, for anyone who follows me on social media, like the, the content that I write is from my heart and then I publish it basically every day. And so just sharing my story, I get lots of people reaching out from all over. They're like, I read my book and I feel, I read your book and I feel not, not alone. Or, you know, I've been following you on social media and, you know, I've struggled with Adderall. And so for me, it's just by showing up as myself and, and telling my truth that makes other people feel like they are not alone and can share their truth too. When was that moment, Vitaly, that you said something's got to change? I mean, something has got to give and I have got to do a 180 or maybe a 360. Do you remember that exact moment? Yes, I do. So it's, there's a few moments. There's, it's basically this two week span, but what happened was, is there was this, um, this Justin Patton is this coach and he allows me to use his name, but he's one of my really, my dear friends. He's a coach here in Kentucky and incredible what he does, but I hired him to work at the law firm that I was working at in Birmingham at the time. And he had just seen me interact with my team and we were in the car together traveling between presentations that he was doing. And so he looks at me out of nowhere and he says, are you critical of your team? And as someone who was not okay with personal criticism or feedback and had not asked for it or <laughs> said, okay, I was really taken aback. And he said, no, no, no. He could tell by my response. He said, no, I, I think you're critical of your team because you're critical of yourself. And then the phrase that changed my life, I mean, changed my life. This, it was this moment. He looks at me and he said, I see in you what I refuse to see in me. And so I really have no idea what that meant. I was like, that's deep. I'm just going to think on that. And still I'm in the midst of my Adderall addiction. And I've been doctor shopping. Like my tolerance was, uh, I mean, the amount I was taking every day, I don't know anyone else that's taken that much. Honestly, I've never, never met anyone um, or heard of anyone, but um you know, I'd been running out of Adderall. It was getting harder to get it. Doctors were finding out about each other that I was seeing both of them. So they declined, you know, being able to help me and wrote formal letters. I still have those letters. Mm -hmm. And, and so then my mom came to visit me and she was in my house. And when I got home from work, she had been drinking. And it was this moment where I was like, why can't she just get sober? You know, this is so frustrating. I've been dealing with this my entire life. And then Justin's phrase, came into my mind where it was like, I see in you what I refuse to see in me. And I was just like this light bulb moment where I'm like, I've been pointing the finger at my mom to get sober, but I have been completely unwilling to get sober. And truly like a few weeks later, I mean, I prayed to God. I was like, for the first time, I mean, I prayed, but I never prayed to help with Adderall. My prayers with Adderall were more like, can you fill this one prescription, please? (laughs) Um, And so I prayed and then two weeks later, drove myself to rehab. Wow. And when was that? That was in 
So my sobriety date's June 4th, or uh, I mean June 7th, 2014. And um, so it was that week. Wow. Vitaly, do you do anything that you celebrate that specific day every year that you remind yourself or, you know? I do. I think for me though, I'm just like, the bigger freedom that I feel is not just from Adderall, but really the reason I was an Adderall addict is because I was addicted to perfection. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the bigger celebration, I don't have a date to mark my like perfection sobriety. <laughs> and, and I wouldn't say that I'm sober from perfection by any means, but um, that's really meant the most to me is that's really what was holding me back. Adderall was just a symptom. Perfection is, is one of those words because I struggle with perfection. I mean, Lord knows I, I am in a business where you're expected to be perfect. You're expected to look a certain way. So I really struggle with that. But I'm also, um, I'm, I'm a weird people pleaser. Like I want to make sure that I do a good job for every single person. But then I also sometimes don't care, right? Like I know that everyone's opinion is their opinion. So I really struggle with that. And, and I would think that it doesn't matter if you're in television like I'm in. I think there are a lot of people that are, are really struggle with their own version of perfectionism. Am I, am I right about that? Yes, I would say so. Um, you know, perfectionism is externally motivated. And what I mean by externally motivated is like you say with people pleasing, right? I need to please that person for me to feel worthy or happy. You know, I need to have that job, that salary, that salary, that relationship, things need to work out in this specific way for me to be happy. Whereas excellence is internally motivated. So perfection is fear-based and externally motivated. And the way that I frame it, um, everyone to some degree, I believe struggles with some form. It may not be some strict perfectionist, but to some degree, it's probably holding them back. So the book ends, I'm not giving anything away because I think you're very open about this. But what I love about this book is that there's not really like, I was getting to the end and I was like, okay, there's just going to be this big profound moment. And I don't mean that as a criticism. Yeah. It, it is what it is. But I think like the best thing of the book is, is that you became a mom right. in the midst of all of this in <laughs> not the traditional way that you would become a mom. You stepped in um, when your sister had a child and now you have custody of that young man now, I'm going to say. Um, so really, I was like, what am I looking for at the end of this book? That is one of the greatest things that in all of this, you really did give yourself up and you gave yourself to somebody else that I'm sure you were not ever expecting to do. No, I mean, being a mom um, wasn't really, I mean, it had been on and off my radar becoming a mother and I wasn't really close to my nephew um, for reasons that are described in the book. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was just like this God moment where um, I was like, you know what, maybe I could step in and be his mother. It was scary for me to even say that because I was like, who am I to say I could do that? And how can I be a mother? And what, you know, I'm only two years sober. So do I, can I even do this? And then I said it out loud and my aunt and my grandmother were like, we've been waiting for you to say that for like two years, <laughs> but you can't, you can't tell someone to do that, they have to come to that conclusion on their own. It's too big, too big of a, of a deal. And so, yeah, like he really um, started me, I mean, him coming into my life and becoming the guardian of my nephew and becoming his mother um, was a huge shift in my life. 
I'm sure of all the things that you were juggling before, you probably were thinking, wow, that was nothing now that I have a little one in my life, right? <laughs> right, right. But I'm also someone who doesn't believe you have to do it all on your own. And so for me, like also as a life coach, like I know I need me time. So babysitters and having a community and really like asking for help um, has been huge. Isn't that something we should all finally figure out. We don't, we shouldn't be expected and we don't have to do everything ourselves. Um, let's switch gears. You put a book out in the middle of a pandemic as well. Um, you know, being a life coach, I think there are a lot of people, Vitaly, that for all of the, the negatives to COVID-19 and what we've been through since March, I mean, I would, I think that there have been a lot of positives where people have really been able to reevaluate their entire world. I, I, for me, it was a chance to put down the daily planner because everything got canceled. And you right. really, I've been trying to do this for a long time to figure out what was important, what I could say no to, and feeling okay about it. And I think there are a lot of people that in this time have figured that out. And I would think as a life coach, maybe a lot of people have been coming to you and going like, <laughs> what am I doing right now? How do I, how am I getting by every day? Yeah, I think that being um, in our houses for an extended period of time, we were no longer, we were faced with our insecurities, our triggers. And so those things that maybe we had been running from for most of our lives, for most of us, we could no longer hide, right? And even just the universal truth that everything in life is uncertain, that we are only in control of ourselves. I mean, that's a truth that has always been true, but with with the pandemic, we could no longer escape it. And so it was like, and that's why like perfectionism, especially a lot of perfectionism has been triggered during this time because control is a major symptom of perfectionism. But yes, and I, and I think the people who are using this to grow and learn and heal themselves and do hard things, um, like I'm really proud of them for, you know, committing to their growth. And like, you're able to look at your schedule and say like, what, what good has come out of this? And it's really interesting too, for me, I, people have started to call and go, okay, we're going to have this event. We're going to have that. And, I, and I'm like, and now I feel a little like, oh, I really like, you know, I'm, I'm here to do anything for anybody, but it is that moment where you're like, am I ready to go back out and put those things back on the calendar every single right. day? So I think some reflection in all of this, and I hope that when we come out of this, I hope that people remember all that reflection and they don't just put it aside and say that was just COVID time. You know, I hope that that's the case. Well, this, what a great opportunity for you to exercise your people-pleasing. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've done that. You know, I, I usually get really worked up about stories, and sometimes I will sit, and, I, and it's probably a bit of OCD as well, and I will look at things over and over, and I finally said, you know what, Amber, your first instinct is what you put down. Go with it. Don't sit in here for three hours. So I'm hoping that I, something COVID is teaching me. I don't know. How do you go about what, why did you leave corporate America and want to become a life coach? Because it would have been very easy. Was that part of kind of shedding that need to, you know, be perfect and have the salary and have the, the perfect job? Um, so I just, I've, I've become a, a certified coach. And so um, in my corporate job and career. And I had been coaching women on the side just to practice my skills, like just to, to practice and see like what resonated, what didn't. And I enjoyed it a lot and they started paying. And then there was just this inner knowing, like for me, I just knew like, and, and I never thought I was going to start a business. My mother owned a business. So I was like, I am never going to own a business. That sounds, you know, miserable and I'm never going to do that. 
And so that was never in my mind. I was like, I'll be a coach in, in corporate America. And that's just what I'll do. And I hired my first coach in 2017. And we did some really deep work on boundary setting with my parents and some other deep work. And because I was able to do that deep work, it cleared the space in my brain for me to dream what's possible for me. And I never had that space before because I was too enmeshed with my family and just the things that don't really matter, but we don't know any better. Our insecurities, our triggers, you know, the, the stories we tell ourselves. And so when I was able to really start releasing that, I was like, oh, I can focus on me and wow. And so I went to a few conferences. I read the book, You Are a Badass. And it really was the book, You Are a Badass at Making Money. Mm -hmm. It gave me the courage to do it. And you know, I mean, I had no money in savings, obviously a single parent. And I was like, I'm just going to go. And it's been a major personal growth journey. So I'm not going to say it's been easy, but like I would never, I wouldn't do it differently. What's your style, Vitaly? Because every life coach, every person that, that does that kind of has their own style. So what would you say your style is and how you approach um, yeah. your job and how you approach, you know, your clients? So for me, it's about like the clients that I work with are the ones who are ready to do the work. And the level of work I do is like the deep, deep, like the roots of why you are the way you are and what blocks are holding you back. So if you want a surface level coach, I'm definitely not for you. But if you want like lasting change and you're ready to do the action, you're ready to, you know, do the homework and the assignments between, and you're ready to walk through your fear, right? Fear is our compass. Um, and that's how I work. And for me, it's really looking at all of our triggers and our insecurities can be stemmed back to our childhood. And so it's about looking at those things. Why, what happened in your childhood that now you've, you know, had this coping mechanism mm. that you're using in adulthood that no longer, you know, that no longer serves you. You know, my perfectionism is from my childhood. My people pleasing is from my childhood. I quickly learned that when I made my parents happy, you know, I was, I was valued. Yeah. And so then we just start doing that a lot. And then as adults, it's like, no, I, what do I want? There are a lot of people that they, they really grapple with all of this, but they can't pull the trigger, hire someone like you or they, or there's still a little bit of stigma. I mean, it's not like traditional therapy, but in a way it is therapy. And there is sadly still a stigma that shouldn't be there on that of having to ask for help. Why is that? Why can we not get past that in our society? Um, no, I think that there's maybe not as much, I think people are, are seeking out help. It's like not as um, stigmatized as it used mm -hmm. to be. But I think that people are afraid to ask for help because they don't feel like they're worthy of receiving help. Mm -hmm. So if we grow up like doing everything on our own, then we don't ever ask for help because we don't think we're worthy of it. Maybe we didn't you know, receive help as a child or a young adult or whatever it is. And so I think a lot of us just don't even believe that we're worthy of that or if that's even an option. Sure. Um, where do you draw inspiration? Because I know it like must be like mind boggling to you because you're helping others and you want to help other people, but then you're doing that every day. And so then you're like, I'm giving so much of myself and helping other people like pull this out of them. Like, and your bank account can run dry sometimes in that area. So where do you draw inspiration to make sure that you're like, you're present and you're like pumped and feeling good to, to try and like, be the best you for other people. Yes. Yeah, so I think for me, it's like 
what it comes down to most is like my routine is where my mindset starts, right? So I need to lead by example. I cannot tell my clients to do one thing and then me do another. I mean, I could, but that's just out of integrity for me. And so um, I draw inspiration because I'm constantly doing the work. I have a therapist and I have a coach and I'm constantly growing. It's my number one value. And so I'm always going to uncover the things and why I am the way I am. And, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know I was still dealing with that. <laughs> and that's come back up for me again. And so I think for me, by constantly doing the work and seeing new perspectives, like A, I get to learn other people's coaching, therapy, counseling styles. Um, but then I also like, I'm constantly learning new things about myself and I'm doing the work. And then I think just doing scary things like all the time, like I'm going to build this area of my business and I'm going to ask, you know, for me, I'm really working on bringing perfectionism and those, those, and what I teach to the workplace and in corporate America. And so that's scary, but I'm doing it. And then I think it's like the people that I surround myself with. I have you know, friends, but then also people that are entrepreneurs all over the United States that I've met in masterminds or events that I'm really close to, and they're doing the same thing I'm doing. And so we can lift each other up when we're down and draw inspiration from each other. I love to know what other people are reading or listening to, and especially somebody like you, that's a life coach. What, what books are like, if you had to pick like, um, like top three reads, if you're kind of looking to get motivated and get going. And then I am like a podcast junkie. I, you know, I just love them. So what are some of the things that you're listening to as well? Or do you, maybe, maybe you don't listen to podcasts. No, I do. I, I listen to a lot of Tim Ferriss and then Mark Groves, Create the Love, which is a lot about like relationships. So those are the podcasts I listen to. But in terms of book books, the book that like is, that it, not like, but that is mandatory reading for all of my clients is, um, it's called The Wisdom of Anxiety. Oh, okay. And it is, I would say, in my top three books ever. It is, everyone struggles to some degree with anxiety, and it is the most incredible book. So The Wisdom of Anxiety is really good. Um, you Are a Badass at Making Money is really good because we all have different money stories, and we make our, you know, our relationship with money can be very emotional or triggering, and we can have our identity tied up in that. And so it really helps you break it down and where your, you know, where your money stories came from in your childhood. And so that really, I think, empowers you and can give you some freedom to make better financial decisions for yourself and also take some risk. And then I would say a daily reader that I read also. I love she has a stack of books at the back. I love it. Is, um, it's called A Year Without Fear. Mm -hmm. And it's a daily like meditation book. And so every day is a passage and I read it and it can give me inspiration and um, just guide my thinking. Vitaly, you know, from the outside again, um, you know, I've known you a couple of years. We have mutual friends and I'm thankful for that because I would have never known you had it not been for that mutual yeah. friend. But, um, you know, from the outside, you know, we can all look like you know, Instagram can look like everything is great. Social media, you know, um, are there days that you still go? I mean, it is one foot in front of the other. And, and I think, I hope that you want other people to relate to that, right? Because it is literally like, I am just barely getting it together today. Oh my goodness. All the time. I don't have it together. Um, but I do hard things and I face my fears, but yeah, I mean, entrepreneurship is almost like pushing a 200 pound boulder, up a hill early entrepreneurship is. And so, yeah, there are days where I'm like, why, like, is this going to work? Or, you know, 
I really just want to take a nap or, you know, social media is really frustrating me. Like, why am I even on this platform? There are definitely days where I feel that way I'm human. Um, but I'm committed to my growth and helping other people grow and reach their, their fullest potential and their, their best life. I'm going to go off topic from what we're talking about. Obviously, I entitled this um, podcast Uniquely Kentucky, yeah. and you detail in the book sort of how you roundabout made it here. So I want to know from you, like, what, because I know Lexington especially has that grasp on people, it, like, it captures you and makes you want to stay. I know a lot of people that didn't intend to stay here, and they did. So what do you love about the bluegrass? What kept you here? Yeah, so I moved here and I didn't know anyone except for the guy that I was dating at the time. And so for me, like it was important for me, I mean, just out of survival and necessity, I, you know, created my own friend group and, you know, my friends that I've had, I've had since I've lived here for 15 years. And so I think for me, it's the community, um, most definitely, like just my friends and just the community in general. And, and that's what I love the most about the bluegrass. Absolutely. Where can people find your book if they want to read the book? Um, or how do they find you if they're like, hey, I'm listening and she's right up my alley and I want to be able to try and see if I can get some life coaching from you. How do people find you? Yeah, so um, you can find me on Instagram. That's where I'm, I'm on Facebook as well, but I'm most active on Instagram. And so that's just Batali Buford. It's my first and last name. And then you can buy my book on Amazon and it's available on Kindle and Audible. Well, I suggest that even if you, um, you've never had an addiction, you don't know anyone, it's still a really good read about just why we do the things we do and, and what makes us sometimes do those things and what can end up. But I, I cannot believe how brutally honest you are in this, but I applaud you for it. I feel like I know so much and um, I'm okay with that. So, um, but Dally, before I leave you, like leave me with something. What, do you, what can you tell me to say, get it together, Amber? You know, um, I'm like, let me see if I can pull up a quote that's really speaking to me right now. Okay. I'm I love that. About the quotes. You know, I think it's all about, so for me, um, one of the things that's been resonating a lot is that self-discipline is the highest form of self-love. And so we look at discipline as this harsh word and, you know, like, I don't want to do my routine and I want to exercise daily. But when we follow through on those promises and commitments we make to ourselves on a consistent basis, it is the highest form of self-love. Says it. Thank you. Vitaly Buford, the book is Addicted to Perfect, A Journey Out of the Grips of Adderall. Boy, I'm so glad that you made it to Lexington and they're here. Yeah, me too. Um, keep it up. Keep doing great things. And um, most importantly, just thank you for being open and honest and sharing and, and potentially, um, you know, helping be a voice for somebody else that maybe didn't think they could use theirs. So thank you for that. Thanks for having me.